sometimes we need a blessing from other people that have been through those seasons. And uh, there's lots of people in this place that have been through seasons of growth, and it wasn't always an easy season, but God was in it with them, and they grew. So I just declare that this is a season upon this church. This is the season of the bride. This is the season of the bride being revealed. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. It was the revealing of the bride, the church, in her glory, who she's destined to be, her image and her likeness, her true identity. Last week, we had a Pentecost wedding. That was God. That was so profound, so God, saying, I'm revealing my bride. No longer shall she hide. No longer shall she walk in a missed identity, a distorted identity, but she'll walk in my glory and she'll reveal my glory. For as, as we responded to God today, he first sang over us. He first loved us. He first declared us glorious. And when we get a revelation of that, when our eyes are wide open, like Anastasia said, God, open up our eyes today. You're going to have a revelation that you are the bride. And you're going to turn around and see the church as the bride of Christ. And there will be no more blaming. There will be no more accusation. There will only be love because you had a revelation of who you are. So I bless your revelation today. God, touch our hearts. Open up our hearts that we see who we really are. Who we really are. Then everything else is moved. Shame off of us. Glory come in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We had a blessed wedding last week here. What a blessed way. It was so profound. I was so excited in my spirit. Because you know what? We try to make things happen. Well, if I go to this conference, maybe God will do something. Or I shall go to church today, you know. But it's, it's nothing. We can't make anything happen. God shows up. And that's what happened last Sunday. And there was a prophetic song. And it's a song we all sing. But it was his banner over us is love. He's brought us to his banqueting table. He wants us to feed on his goodness and his kindness. He wants us to taste his good, goodness and kindness in the land of the living, that we are not discouraged, that we are not disappointed, that our heart does not become feeble or weak, but that we actually find out who we really are. And we just, when we know who he is, when we really, really encounter him, we experience him. See, we responded today. That's an open door. That's an open heart to an experience now. What we sang of, now we're going to experience Revelation, when you believe when you're, what you're singing, because that's your prayer, that's your communion, that's your connection, that's your open heart, that's where the heart is wide open and God's just like, oh, I'm pouring into that heart. I'm pouring into that soul. I'm pouring into you because you are his seed. You are his glory. You are called by his name. You're not called by any name of shame. You're not called by any name that would lie and label you. Where There could be truths in some things that that there's a reality, that maybe there's a diagnosis uh, of a learning disability, whatever the diagnosis is that's been in your life, you are not that label. That is not your character, nature, way, power, and authority. You are called by the name of God, and he rests upon you. The Lord rests upon you. The spirit of the Lord rests upon you. Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head. He wants to live in you. He wants his headship. He wants you to know that you know I am the body of Christ and he is my head and he turns my body. Why am I here? Because he turned my body here. He says, Marg, look at the junction. And I, I was, wasn't even on my mind. And I said, okay, Lord, here I am. So he turns your body. He's got your path. 
He is your headship. He, he gives you his mind, the mind of Christ. And so the mind of Christ will clean up anything that you believe about yourself that's not true. The reality of truth is Holy Spirit is the truth. I am not your teacher. Holy Spirit is your teacher right now. Holy Spirit, bring me truth. I, I'm preaching to the choir, right? <laughs> Holy Spirit, you are the truth. You reveal Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. You reveal the way to be reconciled into my daddy's arms and to love a daddy. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. We sang about it. I see your face. Do you know there was a prophetic song in this church? I can't even remember where it was. Sorry to the person that prophesied this. It was a prophetic worship song. <clears throat> You're going to see, and it was singing. God singing through this person prophetically. You're going to see him differently. I took that and I ran with it. That one little word. Because guess what? When I was diagnosed with cancer, I would not let go of him till I could see his face. And I did. And I saw him at his table. And I was there with him at his table. And I saw his joy and his delight. I saw my healer. I didn't have to ask for healing. I saw him face to face. And that's what healed me. His smile, his joy, completely healed. Why? I decided I'm going to see differently. I'm not going to see the diagnosis. I'm not going to see the label. I'm not, it's a reality. I can't ignore it. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not so supernatural that I'm living on some cloud and floating around the room. <laughs> we are supernatural. We're naturally super. We, we've got a supernatural part to us, and we're humanity. Jesus came dressed as humanity. So I just want to declare over this place, as we sang, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And that's why he is singing over you. So Lord, give us a song in the night. Give us a song in the valley of darkness. Give us a song in what we're going through. Whatever we're in, I need a song. I need you to sing over me because your words are life. They're life to me. They bring me alive. When he sings to you, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. I heard him. Faith doesn't come by reading. Faith doesn't come by confessing. Faith doesn't come by you putting a scripture on your fridge. Faith comes by hearing. I heard him. I heard him. I heard him. What's, what's the opposite of faith? The opposite of, of faith is sight. You need to see his face. You need to have an impression, even if it's just an impression, a dream or a vision. He really likes me. He really loves me. He cares. And so God is healing that place of not belonging in the body of Christ, in the family. Everybody has been in a family or a group or part of a group where you didn't feel like you belonged. You didn't feel like they liked you. There was something wrong with you. Maybe you weren't fully accepted. Maybe it was just a mess, dysfunctional. But what God wants in his church and in his house, this is his house. You are his house. He wants us to leave knowing today we are fully accepted in, the in his love, fully accepted in the blood. We've been transferred into the kingdom and the son of his love. We are in a new place. We are in Christ. We are not standing on the outside like beggars asking God to love us, asking God to forgive us. 
We live in the one who is forgiveness. He is in us. It's a both and. I live and move and have my being in the one that's forgiveness. The one who is forgiveness lives and moves and has his being in me today. I am forgiven even for the stupid things I've believed about myself. Even for the shame that I will. He's, he's come with your shame. I said that to me one day. Come with your shame. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring it all. So his desire is for you. And that's all God wants today is you. That's why God shows up. We all bring his presence. We all carry the presence of God. But where God shows up and God really moves is because he desires us. He desires you on your worst day, in your mistakes, in your failures, in your doubt and unbelief. He desires you. He wants to kiss you. And so I just, I really believe this today because I, I really believe this is the time of the bride. And I really believe that uh, his desire is for us to know who he is. Because when we know who he is, we know who we are. And no one can shake that. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Good. Shake the lies I believe about myself. Shake the shame. Shake the, shake the places I don't belong. Shake the places where I cannot connect with the body of Christ. Because we are one body. We are one body. Shake the places I hide. Shake those places because I know that I will, at the end of it, I will have a testimony. I cannot be moved. I'm standing upon Christ, the solid rock. He is my head, and I am his body, and we are one body. So today, I, I, when we were been talking about shame, and I really believe that um, with, when Jesse was talking about shame, he was talking about, uh, oh, I left my, I don't know what I did with it. You guys are going to have to, no idea what I did with it. You did it? Okay, when Jesse was talking about, thank you so much, Tamara, bless you, thank you. Um, I make all these slides and I use half of them because I just, blah, 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 blah. but anyways. <laughs> anyways, when Jesse was talking about shame, because I'm from an older generation, I was thinking about the things that have shamed the body of Christ, the family of God. Because when you look back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, as Christians, as children of God, we thought differently. We actually thought more through a, mi a legalistic mindset. We thought more through law. We thought more through the rules and keeping it right and doing it right. And who's right and who's wrong? Who's, who's doing the good things and who's practicing evil? Who's sinning in the church? God doesn't look like that. He doesn't even think like that. Law thinks like that. Religion thinks like that. And so I was thinking about the people that have been shamed in the body of Christ. I was thinking about those that have been divorced. You ask any divorced person, did they have to go through a valley of shame to find out their true identity again because of the labels that came on them, the lies that they believed about themselves because they could have been shamed in their marriage. They could have been shamed when, when the marriage ended and they were shamed by others. Why didn't that work? Like I, I was in, a, in my marriage, I've been married for 45 years. And so there was a time I was like, why do people get divorced? I don't get it. They need to put more into it. They need to lay down their lives. I was hard-nosed. So I had a covenant relationship that slowly went like this with, an, with another couple. And at the end of it, my heart hurt so bad. I was in this place of sadness, but it was a good sadness because I was grieving over what should have been in this relationship. Like, I don't know why that happened. But it takes two to make something work. 
And I don't know why people's marriages don't work, but that taught me how the heart is ripped in half in a divorce. I told my son that. Your heart is ripped in half. And so there needs to be a healing because the heart that's ripped in half, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of shame there that God wants to bring his glory in. He wants to really bring your identity back. He wants to kiss you. He, want, he wants to reveal who you really are, that the divorce or the mental illness or the personal identity that people don't like your personal identity. Single moms, oh, single moms. They're so shamed. Single people. Sickness. As a, as a pastor in the body of Christ, people are shamed. Like, there is a time where you don't have enough faith. Oh my goodness, go home. Go home. Go home. You are destroying this person. Sickness isn't destroying them. You shaming them is destroying them. Because now they can't even have faith because you just told them they don't have faith. Mothers and children born out of wedlock. Shamed. Goodness gracious, just look at a baby. How could you ever shame the miracle of life? And then turn around and look at the mother and say the same thing to your heart. How could I ever shame this mother? The abuse, the sexual, the mental, the verbal, the spiritual abuse. So these are just all just a few. But I want to, when uh, Jesse was talking, he was talking about, oops, he was talking about we all have it, bring it to the light. So we bring it to the light, share your testimony. So today, I'm asking Anastasia to come up and share a testimony. And so listen with your hearts wide open because the word testimony means do it again. If there's any place of shame in me where I don't belong, I'm not enough, any shame in me that I can't connect, and I'll tell you right now how you figure out where you're not connecting because it's so easy to go, well, I'm busy or I don't have time or, oh, that person's not like me. God will, like, he will shake that place because God did that to me when I first got saved, when I came into the body of Christ. When I came into the church, I would come late and leave early. That was, that was my shame being exposed because I couldn't connect. I loved God with all my heart. I absolutely loved him. Here I am for you, but don't make me talk to anybody. <laughs> I love you. I lay down my life for you. I have to talk to him? Oh, you're killing me. So... That was, so our, our connections, there's something about our connections, there's something about our belonging together that gets damaged, and that can even start in a marriage. The commitment to a relationship is gone because I need to save myself, I need self-preservation, I need to look after myself in this. That person isn't safe, and sometimes they're not. There's boundaries, you, you need to learn boundaries, you don't, you don't become anybody's doormat, you don't submit to other people shaming you. But I'm, I'm asking Anastasia to come up, where are you hiding, Anastasia? And uh, come and share. She wants to share her story. So say, God wherever, God, wherever there's a place of shame in me and I've been ignoring it or avoiding it, or, you know, because don't be ashamed of your shame. <laughs> yeah, because he just wants to love you in that place. So we just welcome you, Anastasia. We bless you and we thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can you hear my heart through the microphone? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I might need this before I fall over. <laughs> Sit down before I fall over. Uh, in 2019, oh, this is so 
such a good setup you've got here. <laughs> I was in New Zealand, actually. I was living in New Zealand. And um, I was living at, uh, at a ministry there called Father Heart Ministries. They do a three-month school. Um, and so we were over in New Zealand. I was, um, I was there with my husband at the time. And uh, we were starting to hear, you know, I remember starting to hear about this virus, like, in the world, you know? Because at that time, that was 2019, and there was no pandemic, nothing happening in New Zealand. We're so far from the rest of the world that, you know, it's like, oh, there's something starting to take over. <laughs> Something's happening out there, but we'll just go to the beach because it's fine here. Um, but there had been a lot of uh, stuff going on for a number of years um, within my relationship itself with my husband at that time. And we were there, um, you know, just following the path of Father for just a beautiful but painful kind of time of healing, deep, deep inner healing, things coming out from my childhood. And, and uh, I just remember spending most of the time just in this really deep inner work with the Father. Um, but at one point, uh, near the end of the school, um, we had tried a lot of different things, a lot of different ministries. Um, we were in ministry always in ministry um, from a very young age, um, youth leading, worship leading, um, touring, everything before that, and just sort of living this persona. <laughs> not, not that it wasn't real, but just the standard of, of where we needed to be um, was pretty high. And, and I think we were trying to keep things together for a long time um, but having no place to really share what was really going on and really be real about it and part of that is because I had no place in my own heart no understanding of the father yet that I was safe to do that um, with him and so we're in New Zealand um, and things are getting pretty they, they were just not working and um, a bunch of stuff went down and then all of a sudden um, I just pausing to, un to kind of figure out how to share this story um, with honor towards the other person involved too but just um, yeah there was just this point that um, stuff happened and it just sort of came to an end and blew apart and I I was over there and I was starting to get these messages from home from my mom being like you know what if you're if you're not you either need to come home now <laughs> or you're going to be stuck there and again weird I'm just like what is going on in the world like I'm just hearing of something going on and so I'm starting to get messages from people and I'm trying to walk through that moment of being like, well, there's so much on the inside that's uh, still trying to hold on um, to something, to nothing really, <laughs> trying to hold on. 
And I remember, okay, so a, a bunch of things happened. I can look back now and see that this was Father in my life just um, bringing things together that I couldn't even see. I didn't even know what was going on out here and made a path open for me um, to come home. So I remember that uh, there was this moment that it, was, it just became clear that um, it wasn't there anymore. It wasn't going to work. And I was getting more frantic messages from my mom that's like, either you're coming home or you're going to be stuck there. Um, and so I just, I, one day I was particularly just trying to figure out what I was doing. And Father just put people in my path that opened the door for me to be able to, I, I was so far removed from what I wanted. I was just trying to do what was right, you know. I was trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. What am I supposed to do? Um, yeah. And I remember um, driving to, on the other side of the road, driving to the place where you get your plane tickets um, and sitting with this lady and she's trying to find me a flight home and the flights are just canceling. As we're looking on the board, I'd, I'm still, I'm trying to grasp the fact that my life that I know is ending, or I don't know what's happening at that point. And also, something in the world is just like shutting down. And um, I was able to get on one of the last two flights that even left the country and got here. And I remember just being, we landed in San Diego airport. I'm still trying to grasp <laughs> my life. And I'm looking at, the San Diego airport is empty, for one. There's nobody in there, that is creepy. As I come from New Zealand, where we were just at the beach, and I come over to North America, and there's like masks everywhere, and no one <laughs> is in the airport, and that people are running to the board to see if their flight is still going. And I remember looking, I guess I better go look at the board too. And, um, and God just, he made this path through all that chaos just to come home. You have to come home. <laughs> and I, yeah. Uh, I left home when I was probably about 18. A pretty angry kid, a pretty angry Christian kid. <laughs> and I went to Bible college. <laughs> a super angry Christian kid. <laughs> and there were a bunch of other ones there too. <laughs> and uh, I never thought, you know, I would land back home. But where do you go and everything? Where are you supposed to be able to go when it all falls apart? home, right? And so I landed at home in the days, and I was starting to just process, I guess, next steps. Because <laughs> um, because I think I had explained, yeah, we were, we were ministry leaders, always in ministry, led at a Bible college for a number of years. Um, 
and I was sitting on the couch. This is one memory I have is um, I'm dealing with that verse, you know, that God hates divorce. It's in there. <laughs> and I'm dealing with it. I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, God, what are we going to do now? <laughs> um, because I didn't realize what I was hearing was that God hates me because I'm about to be divorced. And he met me on the couch and I remember, <laughs> all I remember, especially in that first six months, is this incredible kindness from him personally coming to me and sitting with me and it's like, he was like, well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about that verse. Oh, that verse is coming at you today? Let's talk about that verse. And I felt him turn that verse around and, he, and talk with me about, yeah, I do. What I'm meaning, I hate divorce because look at what it's doing to you. Look at the pain. Look at, you know, these are two people you shared ripped apart. It does rip some part of your heart. And the harder you try in some ways, you kind of just have to give up <laughs> and let let Father come in. So anyway, he was talking to me about, look at what it's doing to you. And I just remember time after time after time, because I have all this religious stuff in me, all of this, and just like you, Marg, like being the one that's speaking, being the one that leads worship, having trouble sometimes connecting. Why do people struggle <laughs> in this area or that area? All that religious part of me, you know, until it happens to you. And now you got to work through that. And so it was this beautiful time, actually, of me getting to know who God really is and who Father really is. And it's not what Bible college taught me about him. <laughs> you see, I have learned the most about God from the brokenness and the shattered place. This is where I learned that he's grace. He's pure grace. And it, it was hard for some parts of me to accept and realize. Like, I remember... Um, one of the things was like, well, just the circles we were in, I felt like, am I ever going to do this again? You know, because of my upbringing and my background, high performance, like, apparently the worship leaders are perfect. Like, apparently we have no problems, and we certainly never walk through something like... <laughs> divorce or name them, right, to name the, the things. And yet, what I know from that background is most of us were pretty broken. We just couldn't be honest about it. And there's this love that gives you the strength to be honest about it. And I remember sitting here, and of course, I'm like, I need to tell so many people. My life has been so public, and I need to tell so many people what's going on. But I remember a very um, prominent leader in Saskatchewan. That's, that's where I spent most of my time. Um, 
I had led at a bunch of conferences and stuff just before we went to New Zealand. And he, he messaged me. And it was like Father was just messaging me. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to step back into this again. And he messaged me. And I told him, you know, I was still working through all of it, and I told him pretty apologetically, um, you yeah, know, this is, <laughs> this happened. Um, and he just responded right away. He said, will you take some time to heal? And then when you're ready, we would love to have you come back and lead all of our conferences. And I, it was just Father saying to me, like, it's not done. You're not done. You're not now defined by this failure in this broken place because um, something like divorce is so complicated. There's so much that goes on. And um, he takes you through a process of healing. And he, he had me help me to look at things in my heart and everything. A deep process, but the, what like allows you to go through that process is this crazy love that's going to hold you. You know, he never, he doesn't pull the rug out from underneath you. He doesn't humiliate <laughs> to humble, you know. He's always created something underneath you to fall into, <laughs> to fall apart into. And it's this crazy love. And it's a love that I now know more than I ever did before. And it's a love that's real. And it's a love that I sing from now with more revelation of who he really is than I ever had before. And he meets me with his presence and with his strength even more. And it still challenges parts of me that are still like, hey, wait, weren't we, what? Mm. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's not what I learned about you. But he's like, well, why don't I just show you? <laughs> and then you can work it out. <laughs> then we can work it out together. So he has been nothing but amazing as my father, you know, a father. And, um, and I just think, and I'll just end with this, I just think of the verse, the passage of the father in Luke 15, I think it is, yeah, of the prodigal son coming home. And the crazy thing is, like, that father, he's meant to be, he is our father. He runs out, you know? The son is just making a turn to come back, and he runs. He's not standing at the end of the driveway with arms crossed or anything. And that's honestly what I felt in the last two years, is a father who just ran out to me and was like, okay, 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 yep, <laughs> you are a ripe disaster, but you are home now. Just come home. And we will sort it out when you get here. And I have everything for you. I have your, here's your rope. 
Here's the ring of your authority. Here's the sandals. Just come home. And we'll get it all sorted out. <laughs> and that's our Father. And I think that's what I'm sharing. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Thank you, Anastasia. See, our chapters don't define us. They're part of our story. We can't hide them. We can't pretend that they, they didn't happen. But God gives us new chapters. What happened to us has not, does not define us. I love it, that God hates what destroys you. That's why there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper, because he destroys those weapons. He loves you so much, he wants to destroy the lies, the things that try to define us, because he loves us. He's our savior. Jesus has saved us. He is saving us. We are fully saved. So I know the part where Jesus is saving me. He's saving me. He's not saving me from the devil. He's defeated. He's beneath my feet. I'm seated above in the heavenly places. He's saving me from myself. <laughs> because I brought an old mindset. I brought uh, the thoughts of what had happened to me and just put them with grace so you can't add the lies to grace. God won't be added to who he's not. So he just wants to hold you he wants you to see his eyes of love. When you look into his eyes and see how much he loves you and how much he cares, everything changes. You come alive. Just think of a parent looking, looking in a baby's face. They come alive. So, you know, we only heard a small portion of Anastasia's testimony because I can guarantee you, as shame is defined, in whatever way the enemy tried to destroy our identity, it is intensely painful when it gets awakened when you realize you're not connecting, when you realize, wait a minute, I don't feel like I'm belonging. When you get this revelation, I don't feel like I'm enough. When there's comparison and competing and jealousy, oh, what's that, Lord? Lord, Lord you're bringing that to service, not to show me what a bad person I am. You want to heal me. You want me to, to know that that's, you crucified that on the cross, but I'm still holding on to it unknowingly. You, you love me so much, you won't let me hold on to that because it's robbing me of the truth. It's robbing me of who I really am. So there's intense, painful things that can happen today that are part of yesterday. They can happen today because something new happened today to trigger what happened to you yesterday. But it's about the belief, the shame is, and this is a def, uh, definition of the dictionary, Googled it, uh, it's believing that we're flawed. We're not really believing who we are. We're not really believing who he is, because when we believe who he is, we'll truly believe who we are. And it's powerful emotions, powerful feelings, and they're believe, they're, these beliefs destroy your image and likeness. So we sang of his glory today. We, we sang of, of the glory of God, and he's worthy of it all, because he's first singing over us. You're worthy of it all. You're so worthy that I'll die for you to show you that you're even more worthy than my life. I'll lay down my life for you. 
to show you that you're even the Father and the Son, they had a plan. How are we going to show them that they're even more worthy? We'll lay down our life for them so they'll know how valuable they are, how worthy they are. He's worthy of it all because he first said, you are worthy of it all. And so this is a, this baby here. This is how, when we first get born again, we're born to be loved. How can you not love a baby? Look at that smile, right? This is such a beautiful smile. There's, what leaps up in you when you see that smile, when you, when you see there's awe and there's wonder and there's delight and you can't help but smile back. You just can't help it. There's joy bubbling in you, the, seeing the miracle of life. And when you look at a baby, it is love at first sight. Absolutely love at first sight. And so perfect. You know, when you look at a baby, everybody always wants to check the baby. Do they have all their fingers and their toes? Oh, everything's perfect. Everything's perfect. And but God, where God started me on this walk of walk of shame into a walk of glory, into a walk of he's perfected me, he is perfected me, he will fully perfect me, started with, he showed me a baby. And, and this is the baby that he showed me. And I couldn't have planned it, not this baby, I'm going to show another slide. I couldn't have planned it, I didn't ask for it, I didn't pray for it. It was one of those divine interventions when God just shows up. Because really, he's wanting to tell me and he's wanting to show me really, and the bride, how beautiful we really are. Because in, in Song of Psalms, he says, yet you are so lovely. And she goes, yeah, but I'm so dark. <laughs> you know, yet you are so lovely. It has to be a revelation. There has to be something that ha happens in your spirit. <gasps> yet I am so lovely. That took eight chapters to come to that revelation. Yet I am so lovely. This is what God did for me one day. mother in our church came up to me she just had a baby I hadn't seen her baby and she came up to me and she put her baby right in front of my face she took her baby from where I couldn't see her baby and she put her baby right in front of my face like maybe eight inches away from my face and my spirit in my heart I gasped and my first thought was nobody told me and then my next thought was, Lord, because I'm thinking of this mother's heart. And God, God so moved powerfully through me. It was, I was like, when I said, Lord, he just took over and it was so powerful. The presence of God, the power of God, just the submersion of God in, in the three of us. And he just spoke through me. I had, I couldn't even speak a word. He spoke through me. And he said, she's perfect. And the mother said, I know. That was the beginning of my journey of shame, where I didn't see myself perfect. That was 16 years ago. It's an ongoing process. <laughs> But that was my healing. He literally submerged me. Holy Spirit submerged me. Holy, 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 Holy Spirit, Holy Father, Holy Lamb of God wants to submerge the holy seed. His seed remains in you. You are his holy place. We had a holy cloud. We have 
a holy cloud of witnesses here singing with us, responding to the one is, that who is holy. Because when we see that he's holy, we see our own holiness. So this mother had love at first sight. Why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? There's the two babies. See, God, God called them by name. When God, when God thought of you, he spoke to himself. Let us make man in our image. Man, woman, humanity. Let us make them in our image. God spoke to himself when he thought of you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. Then he had to find a womb. Because he, God declares the end from the beginning. So that he knows the end. He knows the end, so you, you want to discover what the end is. Because your beginning isn't your, doesn't define your ending. Your beginning is just a beginning. This was this baby's beginning, but it didn't define that baby's ending. Do you know, I could feel the word of God, because the word is word and spirit. I could feel it so submerged that baby when I said it, God's presence. I know that baby would never walk in shame even after surgery. That even if anybody mocked him at school, anybody made fun of what he looked like, <clears throat> anybody, anybody, it would not land because God did something so supernatural. And so then, I, and that was, he, God did that for that baby because he was doing it for me too. He's so amazing. <clears throat> when the, when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. See, you are the seed of Christ. You've been given a new spirit and a new heart. The word of God is written on your heart. Not just in your Bible. Jesus was the word that moved into the neighborhood. He was full of light and life. So the word is written on your heart. So it's Holy Spirit that makes that word come alive. Now you're the living word. See, the Old Testament, they had the word, and it was the dead letter of the law. Let's kill everybody. God hates divorce. Who can I kill? That's killing. That's shaming. That's destroying. God wants to destroy those killing words. He comes with life. And so, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when, when Anastasia was communing with God, Anastasia was communing with Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and revelation came to her true identity. This may have happened to me, but this is who I really am because I just met my Father and I really know who He really is. And you can't change my mind. We're not, our, we're not the sin that we've been sinned against. We're not our mistakes. We're not our failures. I am, we sing it, I am who he says I am. That's who I am. Those things don't define me. God says, look at you, my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Go home, get out your Bible, take that scripture, look in the mirror, and speak to yourself. Because you know what I do with teenagers? The first thing I do is I say, let's go to the bathroom mirror. I want you to tell yourself, I like you. I really like you. And you know how it comes out? Like sawdust sometimes and falls on the floor. And they get this revelation. I don't like me. I don't like who I am. Because shame has come into their life to tell them who they're not. That's what shame does. Who you're not. Glory comes into your life to tell you who you are. Who you are. And so I, that's where I start with teenagers. Because lots of teenagers have been through dysfunctional families, trauma, hard stuff. They, they've accepted the lies that have tried to define them. And so that's where I start with them. And then, so then this is the second part. Now I want you to tell yourself, I love you. I really, really love you. Well, I don't know if I believe that one. 
I love you on your worst day. I love you on your best day. Because you know what you're doing? You're making a landing place for to hear the word of God, to hear God speak those very words to you. You're so lovely. She couldn't believe it in the Song of Psalms. Songs. She couldn't believe it. And he kept, she kept saying, but I'm dark. But that didn't bother him. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I'm going to keep telling you that that weapon formed against you won't prosper. I'm going to destroy that lie because I'm going to let you know that you know because we had a wedding here last Sunday and the whole walk of that wedding will be, look at you, my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. <clears throat> so God wants to reveal our glory. He wants to reveal that we were born to shine, arise and shine. And shame won't let us arise and shine. Shame won't let us be free. Shame keeps you in a prison, in a grave, keeps you under the ground. It won't let you freely be, truly be who you are. And so what God's doing right now, when he reveals the bride, he's also at the same time going to reveal shame that needs to be healed, that needs truth to come to it, to make you free, right? Because shame's a prison. So you know what? We're not prisoners of shame. We're prisoners of love. So he wants to bring us into that place. He wants to bring us into the place that we know that we know that we're fully accepted, that our past doesn't define us. What has happened to us doesn't define us. I was helping a young teenager. I love teenagers. I love to help them find their true identity, who they really are. I was helping a teenager this week that has gone to school and four times has left the school because they were laughed at and mocked, at, mocked in front of the class. And I was like, oh. So all you can do, all I can do is keep loving them, keep telling them who they are. Their spirit has to wake up. Their spirit has to come alive. Their spirit has to get a revelation. Wait a minute, this is who I, this is who I am. They're not the enemy. You don't want to get into that blame game and never forgive them because you'll never change. See, self-help, self-help will never bring you to the place of forgiving. God wants you to bring, bring you to the place of loving you. You will forgive eventually. You will not blame the other. But first of all, the first place, I love you. Come here, let me hold you. I'm sorry. So let God bring you to that place. And so, so the, the antidote to shame is like, like Jesse said last week, is only believe. So open up your Bible. Lord, I don't believe that. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. He loves those kind of prayers. Those are the open door to your heart where he can have his way. I'm just going to skip some. So we all have a story. We all have a story. We've all had chapters that might define us where we are today, but they don't define who you are, but they're trying to. Jesus braved the cross to give you a different story. He braved the cross. He despised the shame. He said, no, even if I take on all the sins of the world, it will not touch my glory. I am a son of God. So no matter how, when we despise shame, no matter how much you're sinned against, it does not touch who you are. I am a child of God. I'm born to be loved. I'm born to be fully accepted. If that other thing or person or happening circumstance does not define me. So despise the shame. Say no to it when you recognize it. Something's disconnected me from belonging. Something's disconnected me from the family of God. Something's disconnected me from being truly and unconditionally loved. At the cross, at the cross, Jesus took it all. And we were, 
We were crucified with him. We were buried with him. And we rose with him in resurrection life. And it's the resurrection life, the power of Holy Spirit in your life, just saying yes to the Holy Spirit every morning. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit always tells me what the day is going to be. Oh, it's a glorious day. You, you have to realize, though, that God is speaking to a person that lived depressed for decades. <laughs> a, a depressed person cannot walk in here and say, it's a glorious day. It's a great day. It's a wonderful day. They're like, I'm lucky I showed up. <laughs> I showed up. I think that's pretty good. But there's a testimony. And that's what God wants you to be, a testimony of Jesus Christ. God is not glorified in my testimony that whether I have a testimony that cancer is defeated. God is glorified in the process where nobody knows what I'm going through. But I'm standing believing him and I'm letting him love me. He's glorified in I will not change my mind in who he is and who he says I am. That's where he's glorified. Now the testimony is just look what the Lord has done. It's finished. It's nailed to the cross. Now I have resurrection life to live truly and freely as I am. I'm full of life. I've moved into the neighborhood. I'm full of light. I'm full of life for others. And so everybody will have a little bit of a chapter of a shame story, but God says, I want to put that on the cross, and I want you to have a glory story. I want you awakening that you are the bride. Rise and shine, for my glory is upon you. The glory of the Lord is upon you not shame. Those that sit in darkness, you don't sit in darkness. You're not the peoples. You're the people of God. You shine. So God's saying, rise up and shine even if you've been shamed. Rise up and shine in the losses. Rise up and shine in the things that have tried to define you. We had that frame of what has, tried, what has happened to you that has tried to define who you are. And so shame wants to stop you from shining. But I'm telling you right now, shine. Rise up and shine. Find a group that will lift you up so that you rise and shine. Breathe in Holy Spirit every morning, all day long. Every time you feel that, that you're not in a place of peace, ask Holy Spirit to come. So let's turn our walks of shame into a walk of glory. Let us walk out of unworthiness. Let us walk out of the lies that have tried to define us. And let us sit with people that find themselves in the place of shame Sit with them till they stand, and then let's just walk it out with them until they run. And now they're on fire for the body of Christ because they know who they are.